Thank you for tuning in. My name is Frankie Mazapika. The title of the message this morning is, You Are a Sharpened Sword and a Polished Arrow. Isaiah, the prophet, I don't know how God showed him this, but Isaiah saw how God sees people while they're in their mother's womb. I don't know how that happened. I don't know if it was a dream. I don't know if it was a vision. Uh, I don't know if it was just a sense of knowing. Um, But he saw how God sees babies, how he sees you. And this is what he said in Isaiah chapter 49, verse 1. He says, before you were born, he called you. While you were in your mother's womb, he spoke your name. And then it goes on to say that he made your mouth like a sharpened sword. And he hid you in the shadow of his hand. Then two more things. He made you into a polished arrow and hid you in his quiver. Before I get too far into it, notice that he made your mouth like a sharpened sword and concealed you. He made you into a polished arrow and hid you. He concealed you and he hid you. We'll come back to that towards the end of the message. But right now, I just want to talk about the thoughts that he had about you while you were in your mother's womb. If you've ever seen a pregnant lady walking around, they're usually uncomfortable And many of you have uh, been pregnant before, and so you're looking at me like, you don't even know how uncomfortable it is. But it's fun to see the father or the mother or both talking to the baby, even though the baby is still inside the womb and doesn't understand Spanish or English or French or anything else. You're still talking to the baby. It's, it's like many of times my wife has had three children and I'm like, hello in there. I am your father. It's, 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 it's what parents do. And when parents talk to an unborn baby or think about an unborn baby, it is with tremendous affection. See, God started your heart. Boom. Your heart does not need your brain to beat. If you've ever had an ultrasound or seen an ultrasound, you saw the flicker of a heartbeat before there was ever a body. The brain, I'm sorry, the heart can beat all by itself. That's the spark of God. You can have skin cancer, brain cancer, bone cancer. You cannot have heart cancer. If you take a human heart and put it in a Petri dish with cancer, the heart will kill 90% of the cancer outside of the heart. The heart is not like any other organ. It started with the spark of God. He determines when that spark starts beating and he determines when the spark stops. 
He is God. And when he started that spark on the inside of you, he looked at you with great affection. In Ephesians chapter 3 verse 18, Paul says this, I wish you had the power to know how, how far and how wide his love is. How high and how deep. When you and I are in the presence of God in heaven, unfiltered by a physical world, we will feel his love like you can feel a chill on a winter morning. Like you feel heat in the middle of a summer day. It's not physical. You don't touch it. It touches you. And as far as you can see, wherever you go, you know that that chill, that weather, the atmosphere... It's as far as you can see, you will feel it. You can't see it, you can't touch it, but it's real and it affects everything about you. When you stand in the presence of God for the first time in heaven, you will feel love like you can feel wind. And Paul is saying, I want you to have the power to know that right now, just as all believers should. And the more we pray, the more we worship the more we begin to understand and experience it. And so this is something that, that happens when, when God looks into a womb, he sees a baby, he says, oh, I love you so much. And then he has plans for the baby. He has plans for you before you were ever born. It's fascinating on how this works. Luke, come on up here real quick. This is my son, Luke. He didn't know I was going to call him up here, so right now he's real mad. I want you to just stand right here. This is my son. He's 13 years old. And as his father, before he was born, I used to talk to him through his mother's womb. And I had plans for him. And I still have plans for him. I have plans. And I don't want him to get distracted and start wandering off from the plans that I have for him. I want him to stay on the straight and narrow. <laughs> but if he makes some unwise decisions and makes his life complicated, like I did, anyone else? And he's no longer on course. This is what the Lord does. And this is what you do as a parent. So how much more does the father do this? If he gets off course. We adjust. The next time. You know in your heart that you opened your big mouth and said something stupid like I do all the time. The next time you get this wayward idea driven by emotion and it takes you somewhere and you know that God is not pleased with the path that you're on. 
Do not let the enemy beat you down. Say to the Lord, Lord, I need you more than I ever have in my life. I need your mercy to forgive me and I need your grace to strengthen me. Otherwise, I'll do this all again. Grace forgives you. I'm sorry. Mercy forgives you. Grace strengthens you. And so the next time you get off path, just know that Jeremiah 29, 11 says, I know the plans I have for you. The, the plan was for Luke to walk a straight line of holiness. God is perfect. We are not. And so as he gets off track, plan B, plan C. Plan D. Do you get the point? Shout yes. 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 Luke, you did great. So he says, I knew you before you were born. I spoke your name and, and I made your mouth like a sharpened sword. Proverbs 18, 21. Death and life is in the power of the tongue. We've all experienced somebody saying something to us that hurt so bad we carried the scar for years. But we can also remember the people that we haven't seen in years that lifted us up. And when we think of their face or their name, we think of them fondly because they blessed us, not with money, Not with new shoes. They gave us words that lasted longer than the relationship itself. He said, I will make your mouth like a sharpened sword. I I will give you an ability to say something to somebody who's depressed. And then all of a sudden, they'll begin to feel peace by the time they walk away from you. I'll make your mouth like a sharpened sword. And I will hide you in the shadow of my hand. People who have walked with the Lord, they know for a while, know how to find the shadow. See, when you meet God, you accidentally end up in the shadow. Oh, wow. Thank you, Jesus, for protecting me. I didn't even know you were protecting me while I was ignoring you. Thank you, Jesus. But as you walk with him, you'll begin to figure out, oh my goodness, I need to go run into the shadow. And this is what the psalmist said. Psalms 91 verse 2 says this. He goes, oh God, you, you are my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. You will find yourself in the middle of the day about to lose your mind. And you will think to yourself, I need to get home and get in the closet and pray and get into my refuge. It may not immediately fix the problems that I'm looking at, but the problem will be outside of me and not within me. You will have peace in the storm. Put your hands together for that. But then he he says something interesting. He says, I make your mouth like a sharpened sword. When you talk to someone, you sit down and talk with them. I will use your words to cut through depression and fear and sin and bless people. And that's why in Hebrews chapter 4 verse 12, it says, my words are living and active 
sharper than a double-edged sword. But he goes, more than that, I'm going to make you into a polished arrow. Now, why would he need to use your mouth as a sword, but still use you as an arrow? What's the difference? Well, if I have a sword and I also have a bow and arrow, they're used for two different things. The sword is for up close. I have the luxury of sitting down. Like my 13-year-old son does not have a driver's license. He's got a skateboard. And so he's always 15 feet away from me. I have a captive audience anytime I want it with him. I got a sword. He's always in my life. But my 16-year-old who just got a driver's license and has a fabulous life comes in and out. Shoo, 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 shoo. Hey, press, bye, press. Hey, bye. How was your day? See ya. Are you coming home for dinner tonight? Choo, 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 choo. I can't use a sword. I can't encourage her. I, I can't. I can't say I love it. I love you. I need something for a moving target. I need to learn how that as she's walking by that I have something to say that's short yet powerful. And it sticks with her when she gets in that Jeep. It sticks with her when she's around her friends. It sticks with her. It's a moving target. When you have neighbors that you only see once a week. When you have family you only see once a year. When you are working like crazy, you're not, people don't pay you to come to work to hang out at the water cooler. They pay you to produce something. Everybody who is hired by an organization is hired to solve a problem. So that's what they expect you to do when you show up to work. I hired you to solve a problem. Solve the problem. Don't hang out at the vending machine saying, A4, come out. <laughs> I've hired you to solve a problem. Solve a problem. So you do not have the time to sit down and ask somebody, so how is your family? How's your mom? Can I pray with you? You don't have that kind of time. They're moving in your office, out of your office, down the hall. The brother that you have that lives in nowhere, wherever. You don't talk to him very much. It's a moving target. You got just a second. And the Lord says this, look, I'm going to make your mouth into a sharpened sword. When you sit down with somebody, I'm going to give you something to say that can just cut right through the fear, right through the anxiety, right through. When they walk away from you, the presence of God will be in them. But for the people that you can hardly get a moment with, oh yeah, some of you, I'm going to have to shoot you right over the ocean. I'll send you right to Brazil. I'll send you straight to Italy. I'll send you straight to prison land, Australia. I'll send you straight out there. Australia used to be a prison for those of you who didn't know. I'll send you to Mexico. Not for long. 
but I'm sending you somewhere for a few days. See, some of us have been relocated. See, you were working at, let me just, just work with, working at McDonald's. And all of a sudden you get fired. I, you get fired from anywhere. You know for sure that you have been sent somewhere else. You didn't volunteer for it. You didn't ask for it. You got pushed in. I read about this story of this wealthy, wealthy guy. So he had money to burn. And he threw a party in his backyard. It was a live band, lights. He got a DJ, and hors d'oeuvres, drinks. And all of a sudden, he got on in his tuxedo. And he said, anyone who can swim from one side of my pool to the other, I'll give you a million dollars. And all of a sudden, the lights just went on the pool. And there were alligators full of all in the pool. All of a sudden, there was this splash. And this guy was swimming like like Phelps in the Olympics. <laughs> he comes out, everyone's screaming and cheering, screaming, ah, oh, go, ah, ah. He comes out on the other side. <laughs> and the host of the party says, I'm going to give you a million dollars, but I got to know, where did you find the courage to jump into that water? He says, I can't tell you much about courage, but what I do want to know is who pushed me into that pool? He got his million dollars, but he did not ask for that. He did not want that. Sometimes God will just push you or shoot you and you didn't volunteer and you didn't ask. But he made you into a polished arrow. Raise your hand in this room if you went from elementary school all the way to high school in the same school district. Raise your hand real high. Now raise your hand if you got moved around to different districts. Raise your hand real high and wave it around. Every time you went to a new district, Every time you started a new job, some of you are in flight right now. And if the arrow could talk, you would say, what in the world is going on right now? And then the Lord says, I hid you in my quiver. So he gives you a gift to be able to say something to someone. I've made your mouth like a sharpened sword. I've made you into a polished arrow. But for us who have been made into a sharpened sword, I'm going to hide you in the shadow of my hands. And those of you that are a polished arrow, I'm going to hide you in my quiver. Both hidden. Hidden. We, we don't like 
standing still. We, we don't like just sitting there. We, we don't like it. We, we want to be active. We want to step into open doors. We want things to happen. When you're in a season of not knowing what in the world is going on, and everything seems messy, that's when you're hidden. Jesus was hidden for the first 30 years of his life. For three years, he was tremendously used on this earth in power and in spirit. When you and I say, I want to be like Jesus. We're not talking about the first 30 years. We're talking about the last three. We're not talking about 90% of his life. We're talking about the 10% of his life. You and I are hidden, concealed, walking alone with the Father 90% of our week, 10% of our week, we have an opportunity to do something for the Lord, to serve the Lord, to use whatever gifts he's given us. But how we handle the 90% determines the effectiveness of the 10%. It, we, we need to handle the 90% with great care, attention, and delicacy. Walking through our life, I think it was uh, Smith Wigglesworth. He says, I rarely pray for 30 minutes, but 30 minutes doesn't go by without me praying. It's a constant relationship, getting to know his ways. And what the enemy wants to do with you and with me is to give us a problem that consumes us. It consumes our attention. It takes away our sleep. It sucks the peace right out of us. And his only plan of attack on your life is to consume you from one problem to the next. If we could see his playbook, if we could walk through hell, ah, ooh, ah, ooh, it's hot in here. Oh, I knew you'd be in here. But, <laughs> if, if we could walk through hell and, 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 and grab the doorknob of Satan's office and, and kick it open and walk into the belt bookshelf and see this book that says the play. The strategy and pull it out, open it up. His only strategy that he has is to discourage and distract. That's all he's got. It's the double D's. <laughs> got to be careful with that. The double D's. <laughs> I could have used another illustration. But I'm in it now. <laughs> Discourage and distract, my God. Hear me. To disturb, discourage us 
and to distract us. If you look back over our life, that's all he's done. From one problem to the next. From one prob- the problem that you have today is not the problem that you had three years ago. But there was something going on three years ago that was discouraging and distracting you. And the problem that we will have three years from now will not be the problem that we have today. But be sure there will be a problem that will discourage and distract. So let me challenge you to remember who you are. You are a sharpened arrow that pierces through moving targets. You are a sharpened sword that the Lord intends to use your words and your presence to affect the atmosphere. You are very, very important. Would you put your hands together for him? Very important. Very For those of you that think that you've messed up your life, you may have made a dumb decision, but I can write a book titled Dumb Decisions by Frankie Mazapika, and I can tell you, he loves you so much. It's like directions from Houston to Los Angeles. If you want a straight shot, take I-10. You want to make things interesting. You want to go up to Utah and go to Chicago for a little while. Los Angeles is not going anywhere. He will adjust the plan. And just like Siri, at your earliest convenience, at your early, at your, I don't I can't talk like her. (laughs) Take a left turn. For those of you today that are here, if you need to take a left turn to get back on track, the plan that he had for you when you were in your mother's womb, he is still very excited about. Let me show you what happens when somebody is consumed by faith and how it comes into a person's life. Take a look at this. Recently, we got a call very early in the morning that my mother had a heart situation. A couple years ago, she had two valves replaced um, and things have been going very well. But she had her heart go into arrhythmia with a um, fluttering and uh, AFib. So the paramedics came and took her to the hospital. And on the way to the hospital, they noticed that they could not control it. So they actually had to use paddles and um, uh, jump her heart to get it back to the normal beating. Um, Very serious. When they got to the hospital on Friday, they um, brought her in, did her testing, and found out that she had a very high fever. Um, She's um, breathing was not normal. Mind you, this is almost an 80-year-old lady. They did some testing further to find out that both of her lungs were full of pneumonia. And um, they also said she's COVID positive. At that point on Friday, my wife and I just uh, dropped to our knees and just prayed. All we know to do is pray. And I'm telling you, God moved. Uh, The doctor came in to my sister. Uh, I was not there yet, uh, because they're in Oregon, we're in Texas. And he said to make arrangements that anybody who's close to her needs to come right away. 
On Friday, they gave her a very slim to really low chance of survival. And so when, we, when I got there on Saturday, that's kind of what I was expecting. And little did I know that when I walked in the room, the doctor had been in the room, sat down, pulled up a chair and said, listen, I don't know where to go, but from the beginning. And the beginning is, I've done this for over 25 years. I've been working with COVID since last year. And this is the first time in the history of my medical practice, I have seen someone come in on one condition and in 24 hours have none of it. Every single item that they listed, gone and you can take her home today. That is purely God. She was in there for one more day and we took her home and she was up unloading the dishwasher, cleaning the house as if nothing had happened. Glory to God. I just wanted to share that and tell you it's awesome. God cures COVID. Why don't you all stand to your feet for me, please? I used to live in Chicago, and every time I would say y'all from the stage, everybody would go, y'all. Up there, it's, will, every, uh, will, will all you guys please stand? And you guys was men and women. It's just you guys. How many of you are, spent time in the North? You know what I'm talking about. When you come in the South, it's y'all. If you stay here long enough, it's all y'all. I'd like our prayer partners to come down if they would. The reason why we always end our services with a testimony of what Jesus has done is the Bible says in Revelation chapter 19, verse 10, that the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Prophecy is talking about something in the future that's going to happen. So when we testify of what Jesus has done, in the same breath we're talking about what he is going to do again. When you see a testimony of somebody being miraculously healed, and I want you to take special note, I didn't even know that was happening. It was just, that's my friend Mike, he's in my life group. He just got on his knees and called on God. God's no respecter of persons. It's not like he's like, oh, the pastor's praying. No. <laughs> Anyone who calls on the name of the Lord. There are people in churches that believe that God can. And there are people in churches that believe that God will. And that makes all the difference. Around you are people that believe that God will. You are standing in a church where we have seen week after week after week miraculous miracles so what miracle is there someone here sometimes I feel like the Lord just spoke to me and I never know if he did or not sometimes it could just be me talking to me and I don't know if it's COVID related or if it's just you um, 
Oh, help me. Um, uh, respiratory, respiratory issues. Like, um, I wish I was a doctor and I had the right terminology. Can you have fluid in your lungs? Is there someone here who has fluid in their lungs? Raise your hand if you don't know if you have fluid in your lungs, but you're having some serious problems, and you wouldn't be surprised if you do. Respiratory, and it could just be could just be me, and that's fine. If it's you, I want you to come out of your seat, and I'm not going to embarrass you. The only thing that's going to happen is you just stand right here, and when the service is over, I'm going to pray for you. That's it. That's it. That's all that's going to happen. Is it you? All right, come on. Okay. Anyone else? Is there anyone else? It's interesting to me because um, ever since... um, COVID came last year, a large portion of our church has not come back yet, but our sanctuary is getting fuller, but the people that we lived life with for several years, we haven't seen them back. So what that tells me is there's a lot of new people here. And so that's great news. I'm happy you're here, but when new people show up and all of a sudden I say something like what I just said and you're new you think to yourself I ain't going down there this place is weird this I am not going down there Um, I get it if I were new and that happened to me I get it Um, but the worst that can happen is you walk out the same way that you came in it's the worst that can happen and we're going to experience a healing. Were you the one that was down here worshiping? Man, I'm so happy I get to pray for you because there's a, an anointing on your, on your entire life. Is there anyone else? Respiratory. Respiratory. Whatever you need, I want you to come out of your seat. If you say, I don't have the faith, they do. These prayer partners the only thing that they get upset about is they don't get enough people to pray for. (laughs) So come out of your seat, whatever it is. If your life is not right with the Lord, come out of your seat. If you need a healing, a miraculous healing, you need a financial breakthrough, come out of your seat. There's going to be no official dismissal. You can leave whenever you get ready. But let's worship the Lord at least one time through with this next song before anybody goes.